0: Hey, y'all, I know it hasn't been too long, but sometimes we just need to do a special episode. And this is one of those. It has been roughly a week since the United States Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. And that makes a lot of difference for a lot of human beings that live in the United States. And in lots of those states, that means that people won't get the health care that they need. They might have to go other places. There are some states who are talking about coming after folks who help people who need this kind of care. So, I like a lot of people wanted to have this conversation and I have invited back my co-host from last season, Carmen, to have this discussion with me. I've already talked to a lot of folks here. I've listened to a lot of folks here. There is no shortage of TikToks, IG's, LinkedIn postings and all kinds of other opinions out there. But I thought it would be good to see how folks are seeing things from outside the U.S. Now, I know Carmen is not to represent the entire mindset outside of the U.S., but she's familiar with the show. We've already had lots of conversations. I thought, who better to invite back? So, Carmen, thank you for joining me for this special episode. Hey, hey.
1: Hello. I can't believe I'm back, but I'm excited to be back, and I I have a lot to say. I have a lot of, of thoughts, and I think... As much as I am not American, like this has been so present in our domestic news here in Canada. And I think it's also been a really strong opportunity for folks to reconsider how we frame questions of abortion in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to talk about
0: this. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. And of course, I want you to come back for some other stuff too. It's been a minute and this is a heavy one. I mean, Although there's no shortage of heavy conversations on our true colors, although we have found some laughs here and there. This is definitely no laughing matter. This is impacting lots of lives, which Mm -hmm. in some way is ironic, given that people who take that position often characterize themselves as being Mm pro-life. So with that, first, I guess before we start talking about this, should probably lay out what's going on so far. Mm -hmm. As we record this, just an hour ago, I watched the swearing in of the new Supreme Court Justice Ketanji. Yes. That's this exciting. is so very exciting for so many reasons. This is a historic thing. But also, we think about the makeup of the Supreme Court, also how it has come to be, why things are the way they are, and the way people have discussions around packing the court or, mm-hmm. you know, talking about changing the rules. Because we find ourselves in situations where, as is the case when it comes to elections in the US, uh, at least lately, the popular vote. The, the larger vote, the opinion of the majority of the people here in the U.S. is not being realized because of the way that the laws are set up, mm-hmm. the way that the system is. Democracy is something to be protected. Yes, it's called a great experiment. And obviously, the U.S. is not alone in this. But there are some things that are seeming to be at least lately, uniquely American. And I say American because I can't think of an adjective for United States because <laughs> I hate to like make it sound so centered saying American because obviously you're part of North America and so is Mexico. And then there's all the other Americas, but I think you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, given that right now we're in a position where people. And by the way, I'm very intentionally saying people and humans, Mm -hmm. because abortion does not just affect women, even though that used to be uh, the language that's used. Um, You know, there's a lot of folks who are impacted by this. Yeah. So before I go any further, what are your initial thoughts? Like what came to mind for you when you saw this? What are people chatting about? Fill us in. It's
1: it's interesting because I think, you know, while it was a SCOTUS decision, it's rooted in a lot of ideas and I think honestly misogyny and misogyny isn't something that stops at the border misogyny isn't bound by you know lines on a geographic map but I think what's interesting is There's this thing that we call Canadian exceptionalism, and it really rears its ugly head around things like this. And so it happens quite frequently, actually, when there's like a mass shooting in the US, or when there's um, an act of extreme violence in the US, or um, a really kind of upsetting judicial decision. And in this case, like what trends on Twitter is hashtag as a Canadian or grateful to live in Canada. And it's a bit of like intellectual dishonesty because I think folks think that this could never happen here but it's a way of closing ourselves off to acknowledging that the underlying sentiments that lead to these kinds of legal decisions and lead to these kinds of you know mass acts of violence don't exist here I got into a bit of a Twitter spat with a a well-known politician and like she didn't reply but it was a number of other people who kind of jumped into it and it was after the shooting in Buffalo and she tweeted something along the lines of so glad to live in Canada so glad that this can't happen here and you know I think for she's white and she has had like really important kind of political dossiers here in Canada and I think that was probably one of the most disappointing and angering reactions because the idea is well you know that hatred can't live here that hatred doesn't exist here when in fact it has right like we kind of going off from the abortion uh, conversation here we've had shootings here we had people attack mosques right and go into mosques and kill people because of their faith uh, and because of their ethnic backgrounds and things like that and so that's one thing that immediately starts happening in Canada and I remember just feeling pure rage. I was heartbroken. I was enraged. And it was enraged and heartbroken vis-a-vis the American decision, right? But also in terms of the way that folks were talking about abortion here. Mm -hmm. There's a a map that I put up on social media. There's a really good article, and maybe we can put it in the footnotes here. But there's so many places in what we call Canada where it's a six-hour drive to get to an abortion clinic And you have to cross provincial boundaries, uh, or territorial in some cases, you have to find a place to stay because you can't be uh, driving six hours or for six hours after that. There's also, I think, a lot of misconceptions here around what abortion actually is. And that's probably not uniquely uh, a Canadian thing. You know, one thing that I think it was this current government, our federal government tried to introduce was easier access to prescription abortion pills. And so mm-hmm. um, the idea is that those can be mailed or a doctor can sign, and in some cases, a pharmacist can sign your prescription for them. But there are barriers to individuals being able to access that. So in theory, a doctor can write you that prescription, you don't need to go to a specific clinic, but there's policy versus practice, right? And mm-hmm. the practice of actually doing that isn't always the case. And I think you know, one thing you touched on was the language around abortion and having a very traditionally like cis view of abortion and having it kind of just be this idea that it's women's, it's a women's question um, and things like that. And I think the more we talk about abortion, the less stigma that there is socially. And I think the more understanding we develop. One of the people I follow on social media had some really uh, important things to say about this. And it was like, you need to understand that I'm paraphrasing here: When you talk about abortion and you frame it as solely a question for women, you're leaving out all sorts of other folks who are also involved in this conversation, and it's another act of erasure, and it's another level of pain for folks to kind of need to navigate. And I thought it was such a, a good reminder. And I think framing this as not just a question exclusively that affects this women is also part of advancing the conversation and the rights surrounding abortion.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that you've said that just might, you know, how it goes with my brain. I'm like, I got to address this, 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 this. I already have like this huge like outline in my head right now. So I'm going to back up a little bit because you talked about this Canadian exceptionalism, this mindset. And while it's not exactly the same, one of the things that came up in my mind is NIMBY, which is not in my backyard. Right. Mm. Yeah. This has nothing to do with me. I don't want this here. This, I don't want to address this. You know, we're talking about people here. Mm -hmm. And so it shouldn't matter where you're located, you know, whether it's something that you have to deal with or not. That's kind of a problem in itself. And I think that that doesn't just happen in Canada. I think folks who live in, quote, blue states have this false sense of security.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: As I'm sure the folks who are listening to this probably have heard in other places and things like that. Like, it does not stop here. Justice Clarence Thomas made that clear in his mm-hmm. opinion, which mm-hmm. I'm sure folks don't need to be reminded <laughs> that the same things that he quoted fall under the civil civil liberties, which allow him to be married to married. his wife, just as I'm allowed to be married to my husband yeah. as interracial couples here. And
1: vote and own property and like, you know, all you know get a mortgage. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I don't know if he was on like a birthday high or what was happening there. Whatever the case, it should not be ignored. It should not be dismissed as just silly opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, even Carmen, since we've been talking, like we went through all kinds of 2020 myths. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? Like it has not ended, it's changed shape. I think it's changed us. But things are still happening and there is no, like, I don't have to deal with that or worry about that. And if that's the mindset, I think folks need to sit back, check themselves and open their eyes, broaden their vision because there's so much else mm-hmm. that can happen. I mean, even <laughs> in this one week, we saw the Supreme Court say EPA doesn't have. Yeah, I just that saw I mean. that come
1: through today. I'm nope. like, What the hell?
0: Yeah, it's just you just watch it happen. And I have this sense of hopelessness as a lot of people do. The thing is it's there there is still hope, it's gonna come down to voting as mm-hmm. it usually does. But then we're still also battling things like voter restriction, mm-hmm. right? Which has a lot to do with how the overturning of Roe v. Wade is gonna play out in the individual mm-hmm. states. So anyway, I, I know I brought us a long way here, but you know when you talked about that Canadian exceptionalism, I was just thinking, yeah. how many people feel like it doesn't have anything to do with me? It's a shame, or maybe they actually are great. There's a lot of folks out there that are celebrating right mm-hmm. now. There's a very powerful image that I, I might actually include in the show notes as well. It's pretty jarring, and it's like this side-by-side drawing. like a, It looks like a comic. There's absolutely nothing funny about it. But it has the picture of a trigger on one side. And it says free to carry,
1: mm.
0: and on the other side it has the picture of a pregnant person's belly, and it says forced to carry. Mm-hmm. And because so many folks here in the U.S. are so terrified of being socialist or being seen as socialist, yeah. or and not even fully understanding what that means, and that there there's space actually between capitalism and socialism. Yeah, yeah. it's like okay, there's this uh, fight for life, so to speak. Except then when that child is born, there's not the social care to take care of that person. It's
1: interesting because I've seen a lot online and even like from, you know, where I sit, like here in Canada is what does it mean to be pro-life, right? Like you're pro-life up until that pregnancy ends and a child comes into the world and then your commitment to that child is gone. Your commitment to Mm -hmm. subsidizing programs that would help a single parent, subsidizing programs that would help like a typical nuclear family having access to... health care, dental care for that child, like the concept of pro-life being expanded to not just be this idea of like the physical birth of a human being, um, but everything that comes with that human being entering this world and thriving in this world and being protected in this world. And it's interesting because I I think sometimes, you know, Twitter is such a, it can be such a cesspool of um, some weird stuff, but it's interesting, like people get some really short direct messages out there. Yeah like there are times, honestly, in the last few days where I've had to not go on my phone because it's just everywhere. And I think it's challenging because I think some folks genuinely do not want to have conversations on abortion. Their mind is made up Mm -hmm. and they're essentially like, this is what I believe, what I believe is the only truth and things like that. And it's so enraging because it's like, it just simply isn't your body, right? Like, And I I was seeing photos of people who are kind of counter protesting outside the Supreme court and outside of the white house with signs, you know, saying, Oh, I want to adopt your baby and stuff like that as if that's a way to try and remedy the harm that's been caused by this decision. Right. And I think it goes back to this idea of not respecting a human being's bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. um, like a human with a uterus and saying like, you know what, I can make a decision for you, even though you're going to have to live with the consequences and outcomes um, of an unintended or unwanted pregnancy.
0: Right. You know, I posted something last Friday when this ruling came down, and I the title was, Our Human Autonomy is in Danger. Mm. And I intentionally did not say our bodily autonomy mm. is in danger. And the reason is because it doesn't just stop there. Mm-hmm. This is also going to become a huge mental health issue,
1: mm.
0: not to mention the health care issue. There are people, like, this is truly part of healthcare. And one thing that we know for certain is that this impacts marginalized communities the most. It impacts black people. It impacts other people of color. Mm -hmm. It impacts LGBTQIA plus couples Mm -hmm. or individuals. Like, this is not just about one's body. This Mm -hmm. is about one's mind, one's well-being, a family's well-being. Safety. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is... It starts with bodily autonomy, but how much more it impacts. We got to look mm-hmm. further even.
1: That's such a good point. Yeah.
0: And, and so I think I do think that's important. And I've heard, like I said, lots of chatter, which includes folks in the Black community recognizing and pointing out how this is going to impact, further impact mm-hmm. the Black community that already has a history of awfulness when mm-hmm. it comes. To science and health in the US. Like, we don't even have time to get into that today.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's interesting too, because like, this reminds me of bell hooks, right? And the idea of like the margins bring in so much. Like, there's this graph we use when we're doing a lot of our workshops, and it's like the center, it looks like a bullseye, right? The center, Is privilege. It's folks with privilege who you see everybody like you and you're like, this is good, life is good, you know? But what you forget is that there's like all these rings around you of folks with less and less privilege who are living at the margins. And I think like what this white feminism and second wave feminism, like this idea of, well, it can't be that bad because, you know, I still have access to, I could hop on a plane and fly to New York City and get an abortion there. And it's like, it will always be accessible to you because of your privilege. It will always be accessible to you because of the people in your corner who will make it happen. But the reality is like most folks, like probably 50% of Americans do not have access to the resources to be able to make that happen for themselves. And I think when we operate under this really limited view of problem solving and naming barriers and things like that, like we're actually ignoring the folks who have been saying for decades, this is a problem. This is a problem. Right. Going back to the Canadian example, right? Like it's yes, abortion is legal. It's considered healthcare here. So as far as I understand it, the reason they don't want to have like constitutional debates around it is because when it's healthcare, it can't be banned. It can't be a practice that's put out. And I wouldn't even say good thing, but most political parties here say, you know, we're not going to reopen that quote unquote debate. There are folks though, there's one Canadian MP I'm thinking of who went on Instagram live, Facebook live and celebrated um, Roe v. Wade being overturned. And, you know, he's not alone in that mentality, but think I'm kind of digressing here the idea is that just because it's in policy that it's accessible does not mean that in practice it is accessible and I think the thing to not forget when we talk about Roe v Wade is that as much as we want to come up with these miniature alternatives the bigger focus needs to be on making sure that we can completely protect these rights across the board like having intersectionality in mind when we approach this a big part of it too I think is Like funds. like It is expensive because it's a a medical procedure here. It's covered by our healthcare system, Mm -hmm. even if you're from out of province. And so essentially what happens is that say I were to have one here, but I was a resident of Alberta. I don't have to pay anything. The provinces talk to each other and sort it out. That's like hundreds of dollars. I think it would probably be more in the States. And that because it's a medical thing through my contract at work would get Uh, Mm short-term medical leave if I needed it. So there's all these kind of baked in things where it's not just access to the procedure itself. It's everything that comes along with it. It's the stigma. It's being able to have access to care and counseling if I need it um, post-procedure and things like that. And I think one thing that scares me too, though, is seeing language around contraception. And I think that was in- (gasps) Yes, I heard more today. Yeah. And like one thing that's terrifying for me as someone who's needed them before is like the stockpiling and regulating of emergency contraceptives. And I understand fear. I understand people kind of panic buying in this scenario for as long as they can, because, you know, heaven forbid, you can't access one when you need it. At least you have one at home that might be a little bit expired that can still do the job. But like, if conversations around restricting access to contraceptives happen there is no doubt in my mind that that extends to emergency contraceptives. And I Mm -hmm. think even the language surrounding emergency contraceptives needs to be expanded. Like it's, it isn't just that one pill. I think there's actually two pills. For instance, I think if you weigh over 165 pounds, plan B doesn't work. It's shown to not work. Uh, And if you weigh like 170 pounds, the efficacy rate is next to nothing. But there's Mm -hmm. other means of emergency contraceptives. And I think like these are conversations where, when we shun them, when we stigmatize them, people suffer. People are left in situations where they cannot get the help that they need. They do not know what's available to them, and then there's additional societal barriers put in their way. And it's it. I saw, I think it was like earlier this week that pharmacies, it was like Rite Aid, CVS, were starting to limit quantities that they could sell, and it just it breaks my heart because that's I think every person I know who has a uterus has had to use plan b at some point in their life and the idea of that not being available is terrifying right like it's just I don't know what folks would do in those situations if that wasn't available to them but I think this also goes back to what you're saying about like the human autonomy like this is more than just a question about healthcare. this is safety this is mental health this is personal interpersonal relationships this is People's it's, lives. It's long term. Yeah. This is a
0: long term thing. You know, I actually went back and reread the story of the woman who was Jane Roe. Oh, okay. For Roe v. Wade, and you know, the case took so long. So she was pregnant and got pulled in. She was not the only person in this in this case. But because it took so long, I think three years, she had to have her baby, but she gave the baby up for adoption. And then years later, like in, uh, I think the late 80s or 90s, she was on a show and said she would like to know where her daughter was, would like to meet her. I believe the National Enquirer found her (laughs) and, you know, made it possible for them to have a conversation. And somehow and I, and I'm I'm also paraphrasing cuz like I just kind of read through it cuz I wanted to refresh myself on on the origins of this first ruling of Roe v. Wade and she said to her daughter on the phone you should thank me that I didn't have an abortion mm. and the daughter said thank you i would much rather you had aborted me than to have grown up knowing i'm unwanted mm. so this goes far beyond the person who is forced to carry a child yeah yeah the child has a lifetime of consequences as well Mm -hmm. the pain i mean this show is about belonging how about the ultimate there knowing that you were unwanted Mm -hmm. not to say that people who have been adopted haven't found love and security and belonging in their families that is not at all what i'm saying Mm -hmm. okay but, you know, when you just think about this, this goes far beyond one person seeking an abortion. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, folks have been calling them attacks, like these attacks on, you know, people's rights, attacks on, on women, attacks on people with a uterus. Like, I do. I think it is true. Like, I think. It feels like an attack. A hundred percent. Like, I think it. I feel
0: affronted.
1: Yeah. I'm like, it's, I cannot say in simpler terms, my body, my choice, like. I am 26 years old. I am in a really great part of my career. I'm doing my master's. You know, I don't care what my life stage is. I still believe in the right to choose. And I think what's interesting is, it might have been the Lily, like Washington Post. The Lily did a compilation of individuals who it was anonymized, but who had had abortions. And they were talking about it. Some were already parents, some were single, some were married, some were mm-hmm. um, at the height of their career, some had absolutely no financial backing whatsoever. And I think destigmatizing the idea of who gets abortions and who needs abortions and who wants abortions is a big part of this conversation. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's still seen as, like, well, I think this is probably part of, like, The way it's been taught to us as Canadians, like for us, it's a medical decision. It's not a question about you know you're unhappy, you don't love your life, you don't want to have a child. It's like it is a medical decision in the same way that if I were to go and a doctor said you know oh we found a a potentially cancerous mole on your back or something like that right And, and I said I don't want it, then I'd be able to have access to getting it removed within a certain window of time. And I think the conversation around abortion here is similar and it's by far like we have so much work to do when it comes to making abortion accessible, safe um, and like a just process for all. But I think the more we frame it as like an individual question versus something that everyone should have access to and not just the access to the procedure itself, but the supports that come with it. Right. Because it is definitely
0: more than that. yeah,
1: Yeah. Like I think that's the direction we need to head in. And I think it's a really common union chant. Um, to say Mm. an injustice to one is injustice to all right or an injustice to all and I think that's where I stand when it comes to these questions of rights and social justice like this isn't just about a woman's right to choose this is about a broader attack on you know we're calling it human autonomy things like that and I think it's part of a broader pattern of government involving themselves in the way that individuals have a right to live and a right to live freely
0: and things like that. So here's the irony with all this. I am generalizing. I'm ready. (laughs) The same folks who are like wanting this sweeping law. Oh my God, yeah. Are the same exact people who want small government. Yeah. Yeah. The same people who are telling others that they don't have a right to make a choice with their body are the same people who said, you don't have a right to tell me to wear a mask. I know. And it's like, okay, people can't see me because I'm nodding really heavily. (laughs) I realize, that I'm like, like you want to grab somebody by the shoulders and say, can you just listen here for a second? You are pro-life, but you're down with people carrying automatic rifles. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere they want. Yeah. It's it it does not make eyes. sense, and the fact that there was such a like you know a separation of church and state. Oh my god! Yeah. Yet the decisions being made are one hundred percent based and centered in Christianity.
1: Yeah, it's obscene. Like, did you see oh, what's? I don't know her name. I one thing I intentionally try and do when I don't like someone is like I don't want a name them because i Mm -hmm. think it gives them more standing more hits more power things like that but there's this one republican uh rep or senator who said um this separation of church and state is essentially a bunch of baloney it was in one letter we should have the church and state be one and it's like thank god you finally said it like we all know that this is what you think but now that you're on record saying this like you can't deny it's so frustrating to me because you know even what was that case this is like a week of just absolute BS. Girl, but you don't even, what was I know. that case where the, the coach was, yeah, he could- I was just about to name that. And Sotomayor included a photo, uh, like Justice Sotomayor included a photo in her um, kind of, what do you call it, dissent? Like her-, her Oh, yeah, the letter of dissent. Yeah, to prove mm-hmm. that he had lied and that the um, kind of more, you know, right-leaning or Republican appointed- justices were not presenting the facts to the public uh, in the most holistic and truthful way. And it was a coach and everyone was gathered around and he was essentially like saying everybody take me, we're going to pray versus him. I think the praying way they, alone. Yeah, they tried to kind of spin it was he was praying alone. Yeah. He wasn't bugging anybody. Now, don't
0: you take a knee now. Yeah, during, no, unless it's for it's Jesus, Jesus, like that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> so that's not okay. Yeah. Also, what would happen? What would happen if someone that was Muslim? It would be uproar. It would be total uproar. And I think freedom of freedom of religion though. Right. Well, I think it was one
1: of what's justice Barrett, right. Didn't even know what the fundamental freedoms were in her confirmation hearing. And like, and I've kind of worked a lot on identifying my internalized misogyny here and to make sure I'm not like, you know, throwing attacks at another woman because I think she's Mm -hmm. betrayed me. But I'm like, if you are about to be a Supreme Court justice and you do not understand what the fundamental freedoms are in America, like that's problematic, right? Like you are not, I don't really think you're going to uphold the constitution. <laughs> like, and of course
0: now she just repealed by That brings me to this last question. I don't know. This is just an opinion thing. Obviously I don't have any power over this. Although I can, you know, elect folks. I could vote to elect folks who, who can potentially have power over this. Lifetime appointments. The whole purpose of that was to try to keep things as apolitical as possible when making decisions. And one of the things you said, you know, just kind of touching point on this, you said something about, I guess we've talked about it a lot, but abortion being a health care decision. You know, I liken that to the discussions around Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. around Sort of civil rights, social justice issues, where people who are very uncomfortable with these conversations and are very traditionalist and do not have room within to open their minds to, you know, seeing people that aren't like them and exactly like them. They are very quick to characterize them as being political. Oh, yeah. 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 This is not politics, yeah, folks. Yeah. Okay. This is not political. We're not talking about diplomacy. We're talking about human beings. Yeah. Trying to live. Okay. And so lifetime appointments of Supreme Court justices, the intent was that if they are in place over their lifetime. That there are going to be people of different political parties and viewpoints that come and go in the presidential administrations and in Congress and other sorts of influential positions. So, therefore, they shouldn't be swayed by politics, mm-hmm. right? They're supposed to be above that. Obviously, humans carry bias. We can't even help it. I'm not even blaming folks. Like, I have biases. Everybody does. Right, we just yeah. have to kind of keep them in check. But that was the whole point. I was recently talking to somebody, forgive me if you're listening and I'm not crediting you, but this came out and I was like, but ain't that the truth? They are talking about how if you belong to any sort of club or any kind of uh, council or board, anytime somebody is newly elected as the leader of that council or board or whatever, they revisit the charter. They revisit the agreements to make sure that the regulations, the rules, the things that are in place make sense. Because guess what? Things change. Society changes. Context changes. And so what do they do? They update it. How many times do you get a software update? Mm-hmm. Stuff has changed, yo, we got patches. Mm-hmm. Up, update your your ish. Y'all, times have changed Yeah, since the founding people's of the united states wrote a document they did not have a crystal ball to see into the 2020s to know what the hell we you be doing to yeah. mess up this country it's time for updates 100 percent. lifetime appointments are dangerous yeah and especially when you start factoring it yes i'm about to pull in some crt that's okay call me up about that too especially when interest convergence is at play yeah. people make decisions based on what their best interest Mm -hmm. is not the best interest of the country Mm -hmm. and in, in fact like I said these things have ripple effects which is why I called you up and say hey let's do this because this is not just a U.S. thing no yeah this goes beyond
1: that's another interesting thing here we don't have that here it's up until like someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong it's up until age 75 there's a number of big differences I think between our political systems but one is judges and another is senators so Mm -hmm. when like legislation is introduced and things like that you know goes through different readings and then um the senate plays a big part in it and senators now are independent they're they they're not appointed to like it used to be you have a liberal capital l liberal the party capital c Mm -hmm. conservative the party uh appointment but now it's all independent and i think that's interesting too because it's this idea of kind of a sober second thought like everyone has their beliefs but you don't necessarily have a political affiliation or a duty to a certain political party when you're doing this kind of work. And I don't know, I think like, our Supreme Court has had obvious, really bad rulings in the past. And by bad, I mean, like, unequitable, unjust, targeted specific individuals, like I'm thinking specifically of cases around Indigenous people's rights here. One thing I don't want to come off as is like, oh, Canada has it sorted out far from it. But There's been calls for change. Like one of the big things I think that was a a point of conversation in Canada was having training for judges on uh, sexual violence. Because there were a number of cases where um, survivors were humiliated and essentially blamed. Um, There was one I'm thinking of where the, well, content warning for anyone who's listening, the judge said, well, why didn't you try and stop it? And things like that, right? And it was just, it's awful because Going back to this idea, like judges, senators, they're not immune from those biases, from those kind of violent patterns of oppression. And by that, I mean folks who have really messed up ideas about specific individuals or specific groups of individuals. And I think when we assume that they're going to be the apex of neutrality, like it's just not possible, Right. right? Like they are programmed by the same society we are. They That's right. absorb the same biases that we do. And so to kind of assume that they won't have that is problematic. And it's, it's just false, like they will. And I think part of the suggestions around the sexual violence training was to combat the misperceptions and the internalized victim blaming that we have as right. a society. And I think there's like, I know CRT has been sort of such a hot conversation in the US, but things like that are so important. Like people need to understand why I'm going to say Canada, but, you know, it could be the U.S., why Canada is the way it is now, why we're seeing what we're seeing now, mm-hmm. the kind of chapters that have led up to this, the intentional and unintentional um, actions that have led to this. Same with the states, right? So if we pretend that, like, this person knows everything, they never need to keep learning, right. and, you know, right. they received their legal education at a time when Black people couldn't buy houses in certain neighborhoods. Okay. You're telling me that they're going to come out with a good decision around these kinds of things? I don't think so.
0: (laughs) And also, it's really putting a lot into one group of people to make decisions like this in general. You know, just the fact that you bring up, like, even just one topic of training, right? Yeah. Like, how do we guarantee that our justices are in touch? They're the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yes, there are appeal processes, but things like... Having term limits, I think, is something that should definitely be considered. It is possible to make them longer than potential presidential limits so that you can still stretch if politics or, you know, political stance is a concern Mm -hmm. there. But it doesn't even matter when you get to pick and choose when folks get to have hearings so that they can be confirmed, depending on who's in office as the president. Mm -hmm. Because That definitely happened. Mm -hmm. no, 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 Obama. You don't get to point anybody because there's nine months and that's just not enough time. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Amy, come on. (laughs) Come on, girl. We got (laughs) you. Let's just squeak you on in here. Come on. Okay? Come on. Uh, Anyway, thank you. Carmen. Thank you. Having the conversation, letting me vent a little bit. Same here. The-
1: I've been like That's- screaming on social media for seven days, eight days.
0: Yeah. But, you know. A lot of folks have, and and I'm sure that this is just another conversation of many out there, but I think we need to keep our eyes open. This ain't over. This yeah. is not over. And that that is in the sense of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. A lot can change for better or for worse. So that the best thing that we can do stay informed, stay educated, talk to one another, and keep your mind open. Mm -hmm. And remember, we are all humans here. So appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Shauna.
0: Thank you. Come back for something lighter Soon. I know. We'll find a time soon. (laughs) All right. Take care. Take care, everybody.